0: Our meditation for this 16th Sunday after Trinity is on our Old Testament reading, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24. Hear the word of our Lord. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance, and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms, and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged, and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you, From God our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Shakespeare was known for his brevity. Now before you laugh, I don't mean he had brevity when it comes to his writing. Instead, he saved all his simplicity for the stage directions. You see, much ink has been spilled talking about his soliloquies, the sonnets, iambic pentameter, the characters in his plays, and so forth. English professors have spent decades researching every last line in every single play. But few scholars ever talk about what Shakespeare wanted the actors to actually do when performing his works. And that's because there isn't much to talk about. Shakespeare primarily used... These four stage directions. Enter, exit, fight, and die. And that's about it. Just four. When a character is set to enter, he or she comes up on stage. When a character is directed to exit, he or she leaves the stage. And I know, I know, sticklers will point out that it's exit for more than one character. When it is time for Mercutio and Tybalt to draw sabers or rapiers and do battle, the direction is to fight. This usually leads to the final direction of die. Romeo drinks the poison, Hamlet goes out swinging, and Lady Macbeth passes away from a lack of sleep. His stories typically end once all the important characters have received the die direction. I suppose we shouldn't begrudge the king of playwrights for using such simple actions on set. After all, he was about the poetry and the story far more than making sure the stage looked busy. The interesting thing is, though, Shakespeare's four cardinal stage directions are a great way to describe the average person's life. Enter. We enter our lives when we are born, and we enter other people's lives on and off. Exit. As we interact with people, the time comes to exit, whether that is us leaving or someone else leaving, like the end of a work day or the last bell being rung at school. Fight. Then we fight. We struggle with various problems in our lives. We work for food, we have conflicts with other people, we get sick, and we watch others fight as well. And then there's die. Then we die. Not much else to it, really. After a lifetime of entering, exiting, and fighting, at some point, our time is up. We perish, or watch others perish, and wait for what comes after. Now these directions and their simplicity are also divinely ordained from Scripture. We enter the world. Why? Because God said to our first parents, Be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1.28, meaning he wanted new people entering, or being born, all the time. We exit people's lives. Why? Because God scattered the nations at Babel, Genesis chapter 11, meaning he did not intend for us to all huddle up in the same place forever. We fight and struggle, as God has cursed humanity in the Garden of Eden with labor and pain, Genesis 3, verses 16 through 18, and of course then we die, as St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, as in Adam, all die. On account of each and every one of our sins, we understand that we are bidden to exit this mortal coil. So even from Scripture, enter, exit, fight, and die. That's us. Of course, every individual has special circumstances, and the details in our lives are going to be different, but ultimately we have these four broad strokes in common. It is as tragic as it is simple and predictable. In our Old Testament reading, nothing about the widow's son getting sick and dying was out of the ordinary. Elijah enters the woman's life. Together, by God's provision, they fight, struggling against the famine in the land with the miraculous increase of oil and flour. But before Elijah can make an exit, the widow's son gets sick and dies. Now, if you spoke to anyone in the Gentile Sidonian town of Zarephath, this was to be expected, since the drought had been drying up Israel for a long time, and it spread to all of her neighbors. Everyone in the land was used to seeing death everywhere, from the crops to the hungry to the violence that broke out under Jezebel's cruel persecutions. For everyone at Zarephath, this boy passing away was just another instance of the script saying, die, the lights being dimmed, and the actor quietly making his exit. Now the poor woman can only shout at the prophet, dismayed but unsurprised because she agrees. What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. She knew what the Israelite prophets were about. She knew that where she was from, a pagan Gentile land with a worse idolatry problem than Israel, it meant she was a worse sinner. And every righteous prophet that came around represented the ministry of death from Second Corinthians 3. Sinners receiving the law and being condemned. In those days, God charged the prophets with going around shouting people down, You have sinned against God. His wrath is upon you. The widow sees her son die, and she immediately assumes that this is what Elijah came for in the first place. She believed he was there to point his bony finger at her and say, Enter, exit, fight, and die, dear widow. That is how things go, and now it's your turn because of your sin, you wicked pagan. Notice that she does not say, I have done nothing wrong to deserve this. She knows she is a sinner. But thank God that the passage does not end there. For the most part, Shakespeare's stage directions are vindicated when they describe our lives. We do enter, exit, fight, and die. That is, for the most part, correct, but he has a missing direction. There is a stage direction that couldn't make it into Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet are a midsummer's night's dream. In our reading today, upon hearing her confession of sin, God decides to teach it to Elijah, to the widow, and to us as well. He wants us to see it and rejoice. Let us return to the text. The widow is not surprised. She is deeply distraught. She accepts her son dying as the way things go, and when she speaks of her sin, we get the feeling that she saw this coming, but she weeps that it has finally come to her. Elijah, on the other hand, was not convinced. God miraculously provided for them with oil and flour while the drought raged on. Clearly, he would not have done this just to condemn a poor widow and kill her child. So he says to her, Give me your son. This woman has repented. God isn't done with this boy just yet, and he isn't done with the boy's mother yet. It isn't time to exit stage left and pretend the show is over. The prophet sees that it's time to make a point concerning this missing stage direction. But Elijah doesn't quite understand yet himself. And he prays to our Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? The widow figured there was a message here, believing that this was a punishment for her sins, so she confesses. Elijah agrees that there is a message to receive, but this woman's repentance and brokenness leave him unsatisfied. There has to be a part two to this. He says to himself as he asks God, have you really done this to the widow who has been taking care of us? Now is the time to ask and listen. What is the missing stage direction?" What is that missing element of our lives that so few can understand? We get, enter, exit, fight, and die, but it always feels like something else has got to be there. And after praying for direction, asking God what he is up to with the death of the boy, suddenly the prophet gets it. Something clicks. The missing stage direction is resurrection, beloved. Elijah understands as soon as he lays the child on the bed, and he begins praying earnestly, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And God grants that request immediately once the widow sees that she has received her child, she says, now I know that you are a man of God, that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. It is no longer just the ministry of death, which condemns us and points out our sins. It is also the ministry of life that this prophet is engaged in, showing God's mercy and care for all of us in spite of our sins. If this boy died in order to bring his mother to repentance, to bring her to confession then his resurrection can only mean that God forgives her. And if the boy is brought back to life as a sign of his forgiveness, doesn't this also mean that she too, being forgiven of her sins, will be brought back to life to live eternally? Yes, beloved, in this reading we see the gospel dynamic, saving the soul of the widow. But it is also mysteriously more than that, deeper than that. You see, there is a $5 word that some seminarians will bring up to you called typology. Typology is when the Old Testament foreshadows various aspects of the gospel through the lives of the saints. This passage is a particularly compelling example of that foreshadowing. The widow has no other son, just this single, only begotten son who dwelt with her in Zarephath. She understands that it is on account of her sins that her son dies. But then, as she receives her son back from the dead, after the prophet prays and lays upon him three times in a hidden place, she has faith in the true God, in his mercy, and believes his word. So, too, in the gospel do we see that Christ Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, died for our sins, and he remained in the tomb for three days, just as Elijah laid three times on top of the boy. And then, when we believe that Christ was raised from the dead, we rejoice because this means our sins are truly forgiven. And God promises to us that he can bring us back from the dead as well. Of course, it is not a perfect analogy. No typology in the Old Testament is a perfect one-for-one one to the gospel. But then again, there are so many examples just like the widow's son being raised that point us to this missing stage direction of resurrection. I wish we had time to discuss all of them, but here are just two I can briefly bring up. Adam and Eve. Adam, the first man, receives his bride through the wound in his side from which his bride is given life, life where there was no life previously. David, the king, who also served as prophet and the leader of all priests, persecuted and scorned by his own people until God put all his enemies under his feet, so that all who belonged to the Lord could dwell safely in the promised land. There are dozens of examples of this where scripture paints a picture of the gospel in the Old Testament, positively covering all 39 books therein with a message of repentance, forgiveness, salvation, resurrection, and eternal life. Time forbids me from speaking in more detail about the binding of Isaac, the imprisonment and victory of Joseph in Egypt, Jeremiah in the cistern, David and Goliath, Samson's victory over the Philistines, and so many more. But the point is that the entirety of the Old Testament shouts to our soul that the missing direction, the thing we need to see and to put our faith in, is resurrection on account of Christ Jesus our Lord, the one who died for our sins, that we may live once more, the one who rose again, that we may live eternally. Beloved, Shakespeare wrote a brief but powerful line in a play called As You Like It. He said, All the world's a stage. He was right. We are actors, and we follow the stage directions. But his directions, enter, exit, fight, and die, would have us live like we were dying if we stopped there. I rejoice to proclaim to you today that through our reading today, and indeed all of Scripture, we are encouraged to live like we shall live. The direction that Shakespeare missed, to resurrect, has been guaranteed to all who believe in Christ Jesus, who won the battle against death, that we may be on his stage for all eternity. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.